Welcome back for another episode of the podcast. Have you ever put on an accessory and just felt more confident? Like you put it on, you feel like you can conquer the day or conquer whatever you're going through. But that's what Chaos Tactical Watches do for me. I love the band is so comfortable. The weight is perfect. And I do not like checking my phone to see what time it is. I like to be able to roll my wrist over, check the time, and then make decisions right there. Plus, it makes me feel really confident whatever I'm doing. So head over to enterchaos.com and check out the variety of watches they have today. All right, my guest on this episode is Chelsea Moreland. She is a photographer, a rancher, just all around great story. I really enjoyed this conversation. So please enjoy Chelsea Moreland. All right, we're live now. Or sort of live. Recording, going to be posting tomorrow morning. That kind of life. Awesome. Chelsea, thank you for being on. This is awesome. You're welcome. I am very honored that you chose me. Thank well, you. It's, it's really like your pictures, like your photographs that you take, pictures. I sound so old sometimes. Like I call cartoon, I call animation cartoons all the time. And I don't know if pictures is the right way, but photographs. Your photographs, yes. I was yes. actually uh, telling my wife today, I'm like, they tell a story. Like the... You see a picture of like the guys on the ranch or whatever you're taking and it tells like this story like a background. I feel like there's a story to the people and the area and they're doing something just all from a photograph. Oh, that is so sweet. Thank you. I even though I've been like a photographer for over 10 years now, I still feel like I'm just starting out and you know, it's not really that good. <laughs> so I am honored when people say anything about my photographs like that, but I, I'm also pretty darn lucky to live in a place where I can take pictures of our cowboys on our ranch. It's pretty, it's really, really fun. And I'm very honored that I get to do that. So you've been taking photographs for 10 years, like perfect, like trying to do it professionally or just taking photographs for 10 years. Well, I guess technically I've been taking photographs for a lot longer, but as a business, it's been a little over, well, I'd say about 10 years just to, for easy math. <laughs> but um, like, I mean, I took pictures all the time growing up and like I was yearbook editor, you know, in high school and took pictures in school a lot. And, um, but I didn't, I didn't actually want to be a photographer growing up or anything that kind of just fell into my into my lap. Um, but it's been, it's been pretty awesome being able to provide families with beautiful heirlooms for their walls and just to have forever. So it's been great. So do you stay pretty booked up? I know you're in the Nebraska area. Do you stay very booked up with that sort of like taking, do you do wedding photos? Do you just do like portraits? Like what, what all do you do as far as photography goes? Well, I tell everybody I pretty much do everything just because around here, like you said, there's just not a lot of people. <laughs> so it's hard to like specialize in one, you know, category. Um, but like I said, I pretty much do it all. Um, I haven't done a lot of weddings the last few years just because we had our third child three years ago. And so I've kind of slowed down at that. Weddings tend to be a bit more work. Um, but I do families and I've done a lot of newborns here recently. And that's been really fun. We have a little bunkhouse here on the ranch and I've been able to do indoor photos of them there. Um, 
I've taken some pictures of dogs before, uh, <laughs> you know, headshots. I pretty much do it all. You kind of have to around here. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, I, the only thing I know of Nebraska is my mom went to school there for a little bit to uh, nursing school. She did a little bit up there. And then uh, my dad actually goes and works up there. He's actually, he might be up there right now. I don't know. He's going back up there pretty soon. But he does like 10-day runs up there and stuff. And he fell in love with Nebraska. My mom cannot stand Nebraska. She moved from the cold. She doesn't like the cold. Like she grew up in Kansas. She doesn't like the cold and the all that mess. And so she's like, I got to like, I gotta get out. And so Texas is where she ended up and met my dad. But now my dad goes to Nebraska and absolutely loves. He's been like, we should move there. We should move there. He loves it. Yeah. Um, he loves it up there. Well, I have to say, though, I'm a little partial to the western side. That's where our ranch is. And it's crazy how different the western side is from the eastern side. I mean, most people think of Nebraska, they think of like flat land, flat farmland. But here in the sand hills, it's beautiful rolling sand hills with grass. And it's just so pretty up here. But yeah, when you're driving along the interstate and you're in Nebraska, it's probably like, yeah, why do people live here? <laughs> <laughs> it's cold, it's windy, and it's flat. Yeah. Nothing to see. But yeah. you do have the College World Series. <laughs> like you've got that going for you in Omaha. Yeah, yeah, that's about six hours from us. And I have to admit, we're probably like the one family in Nebraska that's not into sports, especially like Husker sports. I'm probably losing followers even saying that on here. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. The Moreland's are just not really into sports. Nobody in the sorry family to say. I mean, I grew up playing sports and loving it. So I joke that I'm going to breed it back in, you know, with our kids. But uh, as far as like watching sports on TV, we don't do that. <laughs> that that's that's interesting because I know the Cornhuskers, like obviously that's Nebraska is a way of life. If you go anywhere where there's one university in the state or like a major one, you've won like national titles or whatever. It's like die hard. I live in College Station and it is everything a&m all the time like that's it it is just a&m that uh, like there there is yep. no other university this is the one that exists and everybody else is second place so um and i i dig it i don't mind it i mean i'm i call myself an aggie by marriage but um i like the camaraderie <laughs> of it but it's just interesting that like no corn husker stuff no no professional sports nothing on tv nothing none of that stuff I know it's really hard to believe, but like absolutely no Cornhusker stuff. We don't watch NFL. We do watch the Super Bowl just because there's usually not anything else to do that day anyway. So we just turn it on. But yeah, no, so, not even football in the background. We actually don't even have satellite. We just have streaming, which is part of why we can't really watch it. But um, I grew up with my dad watching NFL, you know, however many days a week. So I kind of miss having it on in the background, but uh, yeah, it's, it's not a thing in our so family. What, what is everybody into there then? You know, when you are a rancher, a cattle rancher in the Nebraska Sandhills, you literally have no time to be into TV or sports. So you work in your free time. <laughs> <laughs> in your free time. So, so you work on your work time and then you work on your free time. 
Yes. And some ranchers are into rodeoing. So I guess rodeo kind of replaces a lot of people's sports. Um, but also we're not really into rodeoing either just because we don't really have time. <laughs> we do the rodeoing out in outside. So like real rodeoing every single day. Yes. Yes. I think I, I should clarify. I don't, um, but my <laughs> husband and his family does. I play a more supportive role on the ranch. <laughs> I raise kids. I cook some meals. I go get my husband unstuck if he gets stuck in the snow, something like that. You know, I ferry tractors and vehicles, random places, but um, I want to give my husband the credit where it's due and he does most of the work. <laughs> well, yeah, I've seen your like your stories where you're, you're in the little Kubota driving and then you'll turn around and they're riding horses and moving cattle across roads and like just, yeah. I mean, busy at work and you're just like, yoo look at it. me and kids are on the <laughs> buggy following them around for a little bit. Uh, that, yeah, they let me take pictures, and that's all that I care about. So I take the pictures. <laughs> yeah, well, the pictures turn out awesome. But I think that that way of life is, I mean, obviously. So I haven't, I've watched like maybe half an episode of that Yellowstone show. But mm-hmm. everybody raves about it, like, and they're ranchers, I guess, or whatever. And it's a big drama thing with Kevin Costner. Uh, I didn't know what the allure was when I tried watching it. I was like, mm, I don't know about it. But um the ranching lifestyle is very interesting to me it is how hard like how hard you have to work and the energy it takes but at the same time i was i was saying the same thing about your pictures all the people in the pictures that are on the ranch doing the work and that you're taking picture of they look like they're also living a fulfilled life at the same time Yeah. I mean, my husband will be the first one to tell you that you don't ranch for the money (laughs) at all. Um, It's definitely the way of life. And we've had to remind ourselves about that a lot, especially the last year, you know, like, why are we doing this? We, it seems like all the odds are against us to succeed in this, you know, ranching industry, but we do it because we love the way of life. We love being able to raise, raise our family out here. Um, there literally is no better place to raise kids and I've lived in Idaho and that's an awesome place too, but this is, this is pretty amazing. So we're pretty, pretty blessed to be able to do that. So what's a day look like on the ranch? Like what's a typical day start to finish look like? Well, um, I'd say ranch work is, is divided into seasons. Um, so right now we're kind of in between, we just got done calving and then here in a month or two, we're going to get ready to go into haying season. So usually when we're in between seasons like that, we're kind of doing like fencing, uh, like a lot of stuff that just needs to be fixed up that you don't have time to do the rest of the year. Um, I think Brock is sorting today. We're going to sell, sell some cows. Um, but yeah, then once haying starts, then it's just, get as much hay up as you can before fall work starts. And then when fall work starts, then we're um, weaning the calves. So we, I should preface by saying that we have a commercial black Angus cattle ranch. So we have a whole bunch of mama cows and then they have babies each year um, in the spring. And then we wean those calves in the fall and we sell the calves at the sale barn. And then we just like repeat that cycle over and over again. (laughs) So we wean in the fall and then the winter time, 
um, those cows are pregnant again and we just feed, keep them warm and full of hay all winter. And then springtime comes and they calve and calving time is pretty crazy. Uh, but we, we've made it through it so far. So <laughs> we just repeat that every year. <laughs> when does it, when do you typically start your day? Like, when does it start? Like, and they go out and they start working and checking on cattle and fixing stuff and all the stuff that needs to be maintained around the, the ranch. Yeah. When the um, days get longer, their hours get longer too. So, I mean, you know, it's super bright by six in the morning. So he's usually out the door by six thirty, and during haying time, a lot of times he doesn't get home till seven, sometimes eight. Um, just again, you just got to get as much hay up as you can while you have daylight. And if it's not raining, <laughs> it's so funny. You say like when, and, and when he comes home, like he's on his ranch, right? You guys live there. Yes. Yeah, that's that's one thing I've noticed about people like farmers. Uh, I live I grew up around a bunch of farmers like we had five acres in the middle of nothing but a bunch of farmers. I don't know how we got that one little plot in the middle, but we did. And mm-hmm. so I grew up playing in their farm fields and talking to them and you're friends with them or whatever. And they all say the same thing. Like he leaves about, you know, he leaves in the morning, then he comes home and like he's at home like he's there. He doesn't come up like. What, but they're so busy. If, like, if you follow them around, they're like, they're so busy. And then if you're over at their yeah. house and there's a rainstorm coming and they just got in, it's like dark, it's just getting dark, but the rain's coming, head back out the door to try to take care of like whatever. And then, uh, this one person I'm, I can remember distinctively, his wife goes, You can't stop the rain. Why are you going out to do stuff? Like, he's going to go out and do whatever he can to, prepare and take care of like his crop. Cause that's their money. Like it's same same thing with you guys in the ranches, right? I'm assuming. Yep. Yeah. It's our only source of income. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. It's, it's wild how much there's it, but yeah. I, I've actually, you're not the first ranch. Like I, I heard somebody talking, they, they did ranching and they loved it because they said it's not about the it's not money it's it's a way of life like you live it you have to live this there is no it's not a business it's a way of life yeah because like i said before there i hate to break it to anybody that wants to be a rancher when they grow up but there may not be that much money in it (laughs) (laughs) uh there's kind of a there's a sign at a local uh store here that says um every rancher has a wife with a town job or something along those lines. Um, But yeah. And actually it's funny that you say that how they, they come home on the ranch, but I mean, we have a pretty, I mean, a lot of acres out here. And so I, he'll be in and out throughout the day. And actually I just saw somebody drive by with the horse trailer. I'm sure they're going to go get those cows that they sorted off, but that's actually my favorite part of living on the ranch is that, it's a comfort to know that he's, even though I can't see him, like I just know that he's close by, kind of, even though it could be like five miles away. Um, but that's the great part too, is that mean the kids can hop in with him in the ranger and maybe tag along if he's fencing or um, sometimes I can send a kid with him if he's uh, haying close by, they'll ride in the tractor with him for a little bit. And um, so that that is really what I love about it the most. What? 
what I guess did this did you start taking pictures did have you always grown up ranching and taking these type of photos of this lifestyle and are you accustomed to it or did you marry into it or how did that all work out uh, yeah, I actually grew up in Idaho, um, and my dad um, had a farm with his with his dad, my grandpa, and his brother. So they raised like um, you know wheat and barley and canola, and then my uncle had some cows on the side, but it was mostly farming. So I definitely grew up in the farm farm girl life, I guess. Uh, rode in combines and played in the back of grain trucks and. It was, it was really great life, but to back up even further, I was actually adopted. Um, but it was all planned out before I was born. Um, and it was an open adoption. So I always had contact with my birth mom, like growing up and stuff, like we would send pictures and letters and stuff back and forth. And then later on I had contact with my birth dad, but, um, my senior year of high school, I, I came to Nebraska to visit her. And, um, she knew my husband's family. And so that's how I met him was I came here to visit her and, um, still can't believe I live here, but I do. (laughs) We were pretty young. We were only, uh, I think I turned 18 that fall. And then, so we dated our senior year of high school and then went to college in Sheridan, Wyoming for two years. We loved that. I still love that town. If you haven't been there, definitely go. Uh, and then we graduated and then got married and then we moved to the ranch and Brock just went directly to work on the ranch. And then I actually went two more years, um, to Shadron state college, which is a college about an hour and a half away from here. And I got my degree in journalism thinking like, you know, I knew I was probably going to stay home and have kids and do that whole thing, but I thought I should probably get some kind of degree to fall back on just in case, you know, in case crazy times, which (laughs) I might have to get a job here soon, a real job. Um, But I'm really glad, (laughs) I'm really glad I got that because I actually substitute teach sometimes too, just to kind of fill in days there. But um, when, so back up a little bit more, when I was going to college in Sheridan, Wyoming, I babysat for a photographer and I just saw kind of like how she was able to still like work from home, be home with her kids, and then like have some days where she'd go out and take photographs and just kind of watching her do that. I thought, you know, like that would be something that I'd be able to do on the ranch living in the middle of nowhere. Like there just isn't a lot of jobs for women out here, especially unless you're a teacher or you work at the hospital. And I didn't want to do either one of those. So, um, so I just thought, well, I could be a photographer. I've always liked taking pictures. I just didn't think that it would be a job that I could do, but I changed my mind about that. And, Uh, So that gal that I babysit for, she taught me pretty much everything that she knew about photography. And she still to this day is a really great friend and mentor. So very, very thankful for her. That is such a wild story. Like you went out to visit your birth mom, (laughs) right? In Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And then you meet your husband or your future husband because she knows the family. And you go from Idaho to then going to college, like, did you guys date? I have to know this. Do you, did you date while you were in Idaho and he's over in Nebraska? Yeah, because we were only seniors in high school. So, so for our entire senior year of high school, we dated long distance. We, um, we saw each other that summer and then we saw each other at Christmas 
And then we didn't see each other again until we graduated. Uh, he came for my graduation in, in Idaho. And then, um, then we didn't see each other again until we went to college and shared in that fall. So, and so yeah. you guys <laughs> planned to go to the same university together. We did. Yes. Yep. And then you just moved. From we figured Idaho. it was. Yeah, we figured it was somewhat halfway between Idaho and Nebraska, although it was definitely a little bit closer to Nebraska. It was like 11 hours for me to go home and only six hours for him to go home, but <laughs> it was all we could find. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it was a cheap college, a pretty, pretty town, and it had the degrees that we wanted. So that's what we chose. That it's That's just, it's crazy that you had like, did you have a good relationship with your, both your step parents and like your, your birth mom and, and finding out your dad and everything? Like, did you have good relationship? There was no emotional struggle there with all of that stuff being adopted. Oh no. I mean, I'm the oldest, so I actually have two, my parents were able to have two kids after they adopted me, but um, no, they wanted an open adoption. Like they, they loved like the relationship that we were able to have with my birth parents growing up. And I mean, yeah, I'm sure my parents wish that I lived closer to them, but um, they, they love it here too. And they, um, they like my husband, <laughs> at least I haven't gotten any signs over 12 years that they don't like him. So, <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's all, it's all good. I, I try to go home usually at Christmas time and once in the summer, me and the kids go for usually about two weeks. So we, we can visit them for quite a bit of time. Well, Idaho is one place that like we have it on our list to, we've passed through there and it looks beautiful as does Wyoming. Like I can't say Wyoming is actually amazing. Like when you drive through there, it's, uh, there's, it's just pretty. It's hard to describe unless you actually go there and nobody really thinks about it. I think more people are thinking about Idaho just because it's awesome, kind of like Utah. Utah is really awesome. So, like, uh, maybe. But um, the whole, this story is <laughs> awesome. Like, how cool is it that you, you met him there and then you guys dated over high school you're, and then planned to go to college? That never works out. Like, that never works out, right? <laughs> no, it... It still is. Like I said, I can't believe I live here and it's, and we've been married 12 years, but um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I'm so thankful though, that like we lived in the time frame that we did because when we were dating, that was before like even social media was really big. And um, uh, my parents still don't have a cell phone service at their house to this day. So like we couldn't text, we had to like plan phone calls, you know, and we would buy, uh, we would put money on calling cards cause it was long distance, you know? <laughs> and so like I'd pay $20 and then like a month later he would pay $20 on it. And, uh, you know, we would write letters back and forth. And so I'm just so thankful that we were able to do that back then. I just feel like it's hard to really enjoy kind of like a, a good long distance relationship like that, you know, because it's so easy to just like FaceTime somebody, you know, and, um, yeah, like I said, I still can't believe that we that I live here with him, but it was meant to be. Yeah, yeah, it's like a real life like movie love story. Like I don't know, my kids <laughs> watch that. Uh, what is it called? Shoot, the, we just watched the last oh. one. It's Laura Jean and all of them. I don't know the name of it. I can't remember. They all made me watch it. No. Oh. <laughs> 
yeah anyway <laughs> it's like that love story it's like there's they're going away and you're like oh it'll never work and you made it work it's so awesome i love that it's a great story like it's fantastic um and oh. then you fall into your photography for babysitting up there and there's like w- did you always take pictures on the ranch or did you just start like I don't know where I'm going to go with this because your ranch photos are like, you know, those pictures on the wall you see. And I, I don't want to have to keep her. I don't want to repeat myself, but like, it's a, it's everybody needs to go to her site. It's right here at the bottom of the screen. I have it on there. You can go to pray through the lens and check it out. But the black and white photos and, and everything like they're just awesome ranch photos. It's something you would see posted up in like, in places at a gallery or something. So did you always have a, a want to take pictures of him or how did that start? Did you just follow him around and start taking pictures and playing with it? Or did you have a plan to do that? Yeah, no, that's actually a good question because like when we first got married and I kind of started my photography business, I was like strictly portraits. Like I just do portraits, you know, like seniors and families and things like that. Um, but then when we started having kids, like I kind of slowed down a little bit and then it took a bit more like energy to get motivated to want to do that again. And so it actually wasn't until about three years ago, I started shooting film and that's what really, um, like got me into shooting more ranch type stuff. Um, just because I never really did use my big camera to shoot ranch life because, um, other photographers will know what I'm talking about if they listen to this, but like, it's such a process when you use a big camera to take pictures because you have to like come back home and you have to put your card in the computer and you have to upload them. And then you got to bring them into Lightroom and then you got to cull them and then you got to edit them. And like, there's, it just takes so much time. And so I just never, I never wanted to do that. So then when my, I actually was in Idaho and my cousin mentioned to me that she had an old film camera that she used in high school. She was a few years older than me. And she's like, well, you can just have it. And I was like, really? I was going to go to the thrift stores and just see what they had. And she's like, oh no, you can have it. And that was it. That was the beginning of my film journey. And I just like, I cannot get enough. Film is so amazing like you said those black and white pictures like I geek out about black and white film because a digital picture just to me cannot speak what film can so I just found myself wanting to take more pictures on the ranch when I started shooting film because you know you take the picture you mail the roll of film in and then they email you the pictures and they're it They're, they're there you don't have to I mean I make slight changes to them but like the steps are so minimized to get what I want. And that is what I love about film. And so now I'm all excited about shooting photography again. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just three years ago. You've only been doing like this style of photography for like three years. Yeah. Yeah. I would label it like more like documentary style, which I would implement in my portrait sessions, of course. Um, You know, like I do, of course, always the pose, the typical family posed shots, but my favorite shots to do with my clients are like when they're just kind of laughing and playing with each other and running around, especially with kids, like those in-between moments were always my favorite to capture anyway. And so now I'm kind of just doing that on the ranch and with film instead Uh, that does make it a bit harder because when it comes to lighting 
with film, you have to get it right in camera. Whereas with a digital, you can kind of, you have a lot more wiggle room when it comes to editing. So, I mean, there's, there's pros and cons, but it's, it's more of a challenge to me, like get this right in camera. And then when that image comes back to me from being developed, it's going to be perfect and you're going to like it better anyway. (laughs) So when you, when you say film, do you you don't get to see what you just took a picture of right there on the screen, do you? Or or do you now with these cameras? Yeah. I don't know what the technology is. So you're doing it completely old school style where you take a picture and you don't get to see immediately like, oh, I don't like that. Let me take another one. <laughs> no, it is all old school. So yeah, every picture I take is you just never know <laughs> what it's going to look like. You hope and pray that that your settings were right and that you judged the light correctly. I mean, I have a light meter that I use, but um, it's like I said, it's pretty challenging to get, to get the light right. But when you get it right, it's like, it's so much better than digital. Like you just can't, you can't beat it, but it takes, it takes practice for sure. How many photos do you have to take? Like, so out of, let's say out of a, a roll of film, that you're you go out and you shoot your husband or like them working on the ranch and your kids and all that how many of those photos out of that one role will you will be what you wanted <laughs> i was hoping you weren't going to ask me that question <laughs> because i like i said it takes a lot of practice um and it honestly varies. Every once in a while, I will have a role where a majority of them I love. But probably a month ago, I had a role of film come back to me and I didn't like any of them. And there were like 15 images on that role. Oh. So <laughs> unfortunately, that cost me a lot of money. That's another thing with film is that it's it's gotten a lot more expensive than it was back in, you know, our childhood days, the cost of film and then cost of developing is like three times as much, if not more than it was. So it does kind of suck a little when you look at those images and you're like, dang it, Chelsea, you just wasted 15 bucks. There you go. (laughs) But how much it's still, it's still fun. The reason I say that is one of my favorite little, it's like a mini documentary series. Uh, with Clark Little, he does like shore break photos. So he has the camera where he dives into those shore break waves in Hawaii. And I mean, he travels everywhere. I mean, Hurley sponsors yeah. him. He's a famous photographer. If you, I don't know if you've heard of him or not, but he does like all these shore break photos and they are crazy cool. But if you watch what he does a day is he just goes in there mm-hmm. and he takes photo after photo and he dives into these shore break and he just gets pounded all day. He goes, the first half of the day, he comes in, he unloads that that SD card, and then he goes back out in the evening and takes more with the different lighting and angles. And out of all of those, he gets a few pictures. Like out of all of those with the editing. So yep. that's, that's why I say like to get the photos that you take, like anything that you do that's great. I have learned from talking to people on this podcast and anything that, anything, you might think it's real easy. You go out there, you take a photo with a with a camera and I got it. But to get the photos like you get, the quality, it takes a lot of taking pictures and a, like a whole lot of practice photos over and over again. And like you can't see it. So you've got to be like you've got to be able to tell with your eye what that light looks like, even with the light meter, like in the angle and everything. It's just it's awesome that you've spent so much time in these three years to get it down to where, you know, you can do it. And then all the hard work that it takes to get that photograph 
is why it costs so much money for that thing that's hanging on the wall that you see that you like. Yeah. Well, and um, I just want to say that I'm still learning and working at getting better. I think every photographer will say that, that they're, you know, they haven't ever reached their peak. But another thing that got me shooting film was because it's so easy to take so many pictures with a digital camera. And again, all that does is just make more work for me afterwards. And then it made me just not even want to take pictures because I was just making a ton of work for myself. And so actually shooting film, I think has made me a better portrait photographer for my clients because it's really like forced me to slow down and concentrate on the quality of pictures that I'm taking instead of the quantity, instead of just constantly snapping digital pictures of my clients. Now, like I'm really focusing in on them and like, you know, just concentrating on the quality of the the images I'm getting for them. And that way I won't have you know, as much work afterwards, but like the pictures are better anyway, if that makes sense. (laughs) So I I think everybody should shoot film. It just makes like the quality in my mind is better anyway. Well, if you just, I mean, it makes sense with the digital. If you snap a bunch, you're going to get one that's going to be good. Right. So like the more you're taking, the better chance you have, you're going to get it right. And when somebody's paying you for a portrait or for something, I mean, you want to just get it right as a business and move on. But if you learn the actual craft, this is what I love about the old school stuff is you had to learn the actual craft and then it benefits you with a digital camera. When you go take pictures of somebody else, you're like, Oh, now I'm going to take the time and I'm going to get the right photo. And you know what you're looking for. And you learn more about what it is that you're doing. So you started at the, you sort of gone backwards to get better with the technology. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, as a kid, like I had, you know, those small little point and shoot film cameras, but I never did do like photography as a business with, with film, excuse me, until now. So how do you edit? Do you do any sort of editing? You said you do little minor things to the film. How do you do that after you get it back? Yeah. So after they develop the film, they digitize it. And they can and they email it back to me as a JPEG file. So I can make adjustments to it afterwards if I need to. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it, it's handy because, you know, I can still remove like stray hairs. <coughs> excuse me. If so, I need to, which is nice. And what is this? The scrapbooking thing? I saw you posted something about you do like help people scrapbook or tell a story or something like that. You You had some sort of thing on the Internet where people can sign up and you teach them how to do some sort of scrapbook thing. Yeah. So I have a free um, PDF that people can get called uh, three ways to get started with digital scrapbooking today. (laughs) That's kind of another little passion of mine is helping people document their lives. Um, So if you just go to my website and join my email list or my newsletter, um, it sends it to you for free. Don't worry. I don't send out a whole bunch of newsletters or anything like that's super annoying. So <laughs> don't worry. You don't have to worry about that. Just enter your email and get the free PDF. And then you probably won't ever hear from me. <laughs> so what, is, what does it do? Like what is, are you talking digitally? Like how to capture it on Facebook, Instagram and document your life that way? Or what, what is it that you're doing with the scrapbook thing? Yeah, just, um, I have a lot of people come to me and say like, I have all these pictures on my phone or a a digital camera. Like, what do I do with them? 
you know, I should probably back these up. Where do I, you know, in the cloud, what is the cloud, <laughs> you know, things like that. And yeah, so actually about four, maybe five years ago, I don't know, I lose track of time as I get older, but I did these in-person workshops um, <clears throat> talking about digital scrapbooking and I just can't do those anymore. Um, just with having three kids and living in the middle of nowhere, it's hard to like get those planned out. So I thought that I would just kind of offer advice and tips and tricks like that on my social media. Um, and that's been super fun, just connecting with other moms and women, you know, kind of documenting their life and, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, I'm gonna have to get more water. Um, but yeah, like I, I just was getting the same questions over and over again. Like I have like a thousand or, you know, 10,000 photos on my phone. What do I do with it? And, and I've just, I've always enjoyed documenting and making scrapbooks and things like that over the years. And, uh, and then I kind of learned, I transitioned from old school scrapbooking into like digital scrapbooking, I guess you could say. So I make our yearly family photo books on my phone and then I just get a book printed of it every year. And so just teaching people how to do stuff like that is, yeah, it's been really fun. That's, uh, you're very good at it because you're like, obviously following you on Instagram. It's also hilarious because of the amount of memes that you can possibly find or make. <laughs> I don't know if you make them or find them. But almost all of them are hilarious. So I love like it, your yours is one of Thank only you. a few stories that I'll sit there and watch the whole way through just because it's hilarious. <laughs> like I'm like, that's it's so funny. But then like your page is lined out like it seems like you put thought into it or you just post the things you like like on there. And so I thought the digital scrapbooking might be how to like arrange your Instagram or post it on there where it looks correct and the type of photos that you want to post on there and so on and so forth. Oh, okay. Well, I'm probably breaking like a whole bunch of Instagram rules as far as like when it comes to business or marketing, because I do feel like I am kind of all over the place on my account. Cause yeah, like I share like a whole bunch of memes and funny videos because that's just who I am. I defer everything and to be funny. Uh, but then I have like ranch stuff and then I have photography stuff and scrapbooking stuff. So uh, if you were to like find a, um, business, uh, like how to grow your Instagram person on, on Instagram, they would probably say that my account's not what it should be, but I just have all these interests and I can't narrow it down to one thing. So everybody's just going to have to deal with my memes and deal with my scrapbooking stuff, I guess. <laughs> I actually, so I had a guy on the podcast, his name's Richard Tilly and he's awesome. Like if you're listening, Richard, he's awesome. Uh, he bought what uh, Ink Labs. It's like a he does like screen printing shirts and stuff like that, and design and whatnot. But I actually found him because he listened to one of the other podcasts, and then I saw his Instagram. Once you follow him, he posts so many things that he's interested in during the day, and he does that on purpose. Like if he likes something, he just posts it, right? And because what he said was his story stays at the beginning of your thing when you open up your Instagram. So you always see the Ink Labs logo yep. right there. It's like he works out, he rides a skateboard, he does whatever, he's doing shirts. And then it's just like what you like all your memes are there, but your little icon is always in the front. So I don't think you're doing anything too bad. Like it's worked for him. He gains like not just a bunch of followers, but the right kind of followers that are interested in the things that he wants. And then when he gets yeah. them there, it's always in their face. Like I guarantee you, 
if you live in his area, the first person you think about his shirts is Ink Labs. Like the first person mm-hmm. I think about rancher wise or photography is you because it's always there. Like, oh yeah, there she is. Oh yeah, there she is. Oh yeah, there she is. And I'm like, she should just be on the podcast, man. She's got all this cool pic. Like, I love that photograph. I love that photograph. You know, so I don't think you're doing anything. I think you're doing it right, actually. Like just by posting your interests, the things you like and a bunch of it. (laughs) Well, thank you. I just figure that if they don't like, you know, ranching or photography, then surely they're going to laugh at a funny meme. I mean... (laughs) I, I I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram. I'm not like super into it by any means, but I am a five, which we are very rare. Uh, but fives tend to uh, go towards memes and like funny videos for some reason. And I always wondered why I liked them. And then I took the test and I found out I was a five and it just, it made sense that I just gravitate toward memes. So yes, if you like funny memes, check out my Instagram. <laughs> I under so somebody sent me one of those Enneagram things and I see I saw some people posting about it. I checked it out one time and I couldn't understand a thing that was going on with what it was or why it meant anything. And so I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> I didn't go yeah. that far with it. <laughs> yeah. It uh I actually the main reason I like it is it helps me understand other people a lot better, you know, like if you want to like just get along with certain people in your life better and you know what Enneagram number they are, then you know why they do the things they do or why they are the way they are and just kind of helps you understand them a little bit better. So uh, that's really the main reason I like it. I'm definitely not like a diehard and, uh, you know, don't obsess with it by any means. It's just funny when you know somebody's Enneagram number, you just you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense why you're doing that because you know you're a seven or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. I was about to ask you like if you could tell what somebody was, or you just have to see their number because they took the test. Uh, I can kind of tell a few numbers, but like I said, I pretty much just know like my family and their numbers, but I don't know enough about each number to like just pin somebody. Um, but there are people out there that can. Really? That's so- wild. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. That's crazy. So what are your plans with the photography stuff? I mean, I know you say the ranch stuff isn't like, you know, ranch stuff doesn't bring you in a ton of money and you also substitute teach. And so is the, is the plans with this photography thing to just keep it rolling and make extra income for the family just because you enjoy it? Or what are your plans in the future for these, like your photography side of things? Oh, I'll probably always do or always have my portrait photography business Um, just because I'm not what I would consider like full time anyway. You know, I have like one to two sessions a month, certain times of the year. Like I don't really shoot a lot in the winter because I do mostly outdoor stuff anyway, Um, which is kind of why I substitute because then I can teach in like the off season of photography. But um, yeah, I think it would be sad I just can't picture myself just totally quitting my portrait business. Um, As far as film goes, I think I'll probably always shoot film as long as they have it. I mean, there's always that chance that they'll stop making it. Actually, just a month or two ago, they stopped making a really popular film called Fuji 400. And um, like there's still wedding photographers out there that shoot weddings with film 
and like full on portrait sessions with film. And like, they stopped making this particular film that they use. So, um, I mean, I guess it is a little scary that they may not make chemicals for it. Even if they can make the film, uh, they might stop making the chemicals. So, um, that would suck because like, I just, I love film so much and it just brings me joy and, yeah, so I'll still always shoot film for fun. And I do actually implement it into my photography business sometimes. Like, I kind of shoot both film and digital during my sessions. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, just, I don't know, just keep trekking along. Um, just keep subbing. I sell shampoo sometimes, too. I mean, like, I do, I do a lot of things. <laughs> you know, you just got to really be diverse when you live out here. You just, you got to do it all. <laughs> how close is the closest person to you? So, like, if you want, how many, how many people are, in, like, in the town where you live? Like, how many people can, like, is your pool of town people that you can possibly have as clients? Oh gosh. Well, I can't, I mean, average, I probably, I have to like have my radius be like 150 miles. I can't just be like 20 miles. That's where I shoot. Like I get people and I get people further from that. Usually they come to me, but like the little town that we live in, that's our address. It's technically a village and it's probably like 25 people. And then like an hour away, is a town oh it might be up to like 3500 now um but like the nearest big town uh where there's like a sam's club <laughs> uh that's like two and a half or three hours away so yeah that's and that's another interesting thing that, like when when you're saying it to bring perspective like it's really tough for you because you're looking at two hours probably minimum or on average for you to go to a shoot. It's not like living like Houston yeah. or Dallas or a big city where you're like, you've got tons of clients that are just all there and you're driving 30 minutes, you know, an hour, maybe at most, but like in that hour you have so many clients, like there's so many people exactly. you're talking, you drive an hour away for 3,500 people. You're not like, that's, pretty bare but also it also gives you the cool ranch pictures too so you wouldn't have those if you weren't in a place like you're at you know does anybody ever buy your exactly does anybody ever contact you and wanting to buy some of the photos or photography off of your like off your page that you've taken before yeah so actually i do have a print shop on my website chelseamorelandphotography.com um and they're all not all but they're all my um film prints that i have printed and some of them are matted some of them are just on um matte board is what it is um but yeah they're all on my website and i just narrowed it down to like my favorite 30 or so and thought maybe somebody would like this but yeah check them out on my website for sure yeah they're really cool all right, Chelsea, uh, let everybody know wherever it is they can find like, – well, you already said they're they're right there on your Instagram, your website. You can go find them. Do you have a Facebook or anything? You just prefer Instagram. Um, I do. It's a little confusing because my social media is – I have it as Prairie Through the Lens. Um, so both my Instagram and my Facebook are Prairie Through the Lens. But then my website for my um, portraits and my print shop is ChelseaMorelandPhotography.com. So, yeah. Right on, right on. The digital scrapbooking, all the cool stuff. 
go check her out. Chelsea, thank you for being on. It's been fun. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) You bet. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Please go support Chelsea and all of her stuff on her website and Instagram. And don't forget to like, rate, review, and comment on the podcast. And until the next episode, see ya.